This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Sucker Sub. Go listen. I'm Banter. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. Now pay me. Pay me in cash, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for attending the Soccer Subs Podcast, the number one podcast covering soccer in New York City and all over the world. Let's give it up for Ronnie. Let's give it up for Christian. And let's give it up for you, the Soccer yeah. Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, episode 31. My name is Ronnie. I am your host. I'm joined here by my three Soccer Subs co-hosts, Eric, Christian, Hugh. It's good to have all three of you guys back on. Fellas, how you guys doing? Episode 31, big 3-1. How you guys doing? 31 episodes of soccer does not stop, guys. Uh, what a pleasure to be here covering the Gold Cup, the Olympics coming up soon, and a great guest for this interview. Very excited for this episode. Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast. I can't, I can't believe we're creeping up on a year already. Like we're, we're, we're getting pretty close to a year of, of being able to make content for you guys. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here for this episode. Uh, make sure you all get us birthday presents, by the way, because, you know, the soccer subs birthday is no, is no schmuck occasion. <laughs> they got to know what we like. So we got to tell them. I'm, I, I, give me anything two soccer, two yeah, soccer related. Maybe I, I like soccer. Uh, I like that, you know, I like that new Inter snakeskin kit. Uh, it looks phenomenal. But uh, no, 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 man. Episode 31, I'm excited. We, listen, we have an amazing interview, an amazing down-to-earth guy, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to this interview. Uh, that's right, Eric. Yeah, episode 31. This is a special edition episode. We got a special guest for you guys. He's the goalkeeper for LA Galaxy. He wears number one at goal. Jonathan Bond is joining us in a little bit. Super excited for that. He's played for clubs such as Reading, Watford, West Brom over in England. Super excited to have him on the show and talk MLS All-Star Game, uh, his career, his journey, all that. So we're getting all into that in just a little bit. And fellas, since we last recorded, just some honorable mentions very quickly. Memphis Depay to Barcelona. That is official. One of Christian's favorite coaches, Gabriel Hines from Atlanta United. He is sacked and he is out the door. Sorry, Christian. He is out. How did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, we got to get the full story on that. There's nothing concrete. We don't want to report on rumors. He says, she said, uh, you know, but from what we do here, know, Joseph Martinez was not too happy. More to come on episode 32 on that, but that is the latest out of Atlanta. Olivia Giroud to AC Milan. That is official as well. Uh, that's a big signing for AC Milan. AC Milan, I feel, just got a, little, a lot better with that signing. They already have Zlatan, so it's going to be a heck of a season for AC Milan. And then, of course, we're talking USA uh, in the Gold Cup. They just beat Martinique 6-1 to last week. What a game. 6-1. Sheesh. And they just had a huge win against Canada, 1-0. So it's been a great Gold Cup so far. Jamaica, Costa Rica, Honduras, El Salvador doing their thing. Don't sleep on El Salvador, eh? That's my dark horse. I've been watching them lately, and they are a promising team. They might not win the Gold Cup, but hey, they have a lot of young talent, and their striker is one of the uh, one to watch for sure. Hugh, what was that team that you said was a uh, was, was your sleeper? Uh, it, it, okay, it was Guadalupe, and they didn't 
I wouldn't say people slept on them more the fact that they slept on the field. No, no, no. I honestly though, in, in, in all respect, Guadalupe has played a phenomenal gold cup considering the fact that they like at the beginning of this gold cup, nobody thought they should even be in it. And we're talking about a, we're talking about a country that does not have a very big population at all. In fact, you know, let me just bring this up real quick. They've got 390,000 people in that country. It's a small country that, you know, you wouldn't think was going to do well in a gold cup and they have a tough group, but honestly, the fact that they've even pulled a point out of the group so far for me is impressive. And, you know, while they probably won't advance, in fact, they definitely won't advance. It's still really impressive for me that they've been able to do what they've done and big love for, for their number nine fate Paul. Uh, he's a great striker. Uh, and he, he's done a lot of legwork for that team. So even though, even though I, I, even though I said they were slept on and they didn't do too well, I still think they, they pushed the right button. Well, now we got to save some time spot for uh, Eric because he got to talk about Mexico. And is are they really bringing the cup? Yeah, Eric, how's how's your Mexico looking? <laughs> oh man, they look 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 look. They um, they're looking scary, man. That's all I'm gonna say. They just have to not be as cocky as they are. Obviously, they're uh, uh, definitely top two biggest team in Concacaf. I mean, the the inclusion of Funes Mori has just been amazing. He is such a clinical, great striker. He's so fun to watch. And he's one of the players that we're missing for this um, Mexico side. I, I'm looking forward to him playing with Raul Jimenez, with Lozano when he comes back from injury. And look, I don't know. This isn't a team to look out for. Obviously, the big final will be probably, in my opinion, USA-Mexico. But, you know, look out for Honduras. Look out for El Salvador. They're definitely no sleeper teams. We'll definitely be back for episode 32, uh, keeping an eye on the Gold Cup. We're definitely keeping an eye on Mexico and USA. Uh, let's see what the other teams can do as well. Uh, we hope we get a rematch from the from the big game that just happened a few weeks ago. So let's go. And all right, fellas, like we mentioned, this is a special edition episode. We have the one and only Jonathan Bond from LA Galaxy joining us. We're talking his career, his journey, the culture under Greg Vanny with LA Galaxy. Jonathan Bond is coming up next. Let's go. All right, soccer fans, we have a special guest joining the show today. He's an English footballer with a super impressive 11-year soccer career. He's played for clubs such as Watford, Reading, and most recently over at West Brom, over the pond in England. He is now the starting goalkeeper for the LA Galaxy and wears number one at goal. It's a true pleasure to have him on the show. Let's please give a warm welcome to Jonathan Bond. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for the kind intro. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Jonathan, that's our soccer subs intro. A true pleasure for you to be on with us on the show. We always tell the players you could be doing a million other things. And so we're super appreciative of of your time. And yeah, a huge thanks to you. You know, first things first, Jonathan, from all of us, you know, how are you? We know you're on the road right now. How's the season been for you? We know you're new to the MLS, you know, six months in. It's been a crazy MLS season. Like, we love the league because any team could be any team at any given time. So yeah. what's been your assessment of of the MLS so far in your short time? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm I'm very happy. I'm probably the happiest I've, I've been in my career. Um, so I'm enjoying every minute. I'm looking forward to every game, which is kind of always a good sign as a professional footballer when you're looking forward to every game and, you know, you're in a good place. Um, so I'm in a good place off the pitch and, and on the pitch. My first uh, impressions of the MLS have been massively positive. 
I always um, viewed the games from afar, obviously from the other side of the world. And I wondered, I saw, and it looked impressive. But then when you get here, then you finally realise every every game's a, a, a big event. Um, it's it's like um, <clears throat> stadiums are full. The aesthetics of everything look great. Uh, there's it's broadcast everywhere. The atmospheres are very passionate. So straight away, I kind of, it's stimulating. You know, you're like, okay, this is this is big, like everything I do matters. And these are, these are some big fixtures and this is a, a big league. And as, as the capacities obviously have been opened up in the stadiums as well, the atmospheres have got louder and louder and the, the attendance is higher and higher. So um, truthfully, yeah, I found, I found the whole thing to be so, so positive. I'm enjoying every second of it. Oh, no, that's awesome. And, and as you can tell, and, you know, my colleagues can tell you, the MLS, the league's been growing so much. We're getting players from all over the world. And, you know, 26 season coming in now, and, and it's been a, an amazing ride. So we can't wait to see what happens. And, hey, Jonathan, as as our first real question for you, you know, this is something we didn't really see too much in articles. And we did want to let you know, we did listen to uh, your interview with Chris Maldonado, who's one of our friends. And, you know, it's we're kind of a close-knit community. Very nice guy. Yeah, with yeah. the podcast community. You know, you talked about your dad being a Chelsea fan there. And, you know, you're just you being a young kid, getting into the sport. But we wanted to ask you, you know, when did you realize you were good at soccer? When did you realize, like, wow, I could do this? And, uh, I mean, you're six foot five right now. Were you always tall as a kid? When did you realize, six like, four, wow? Six four. Uh, six four, yeah. yeah. When did you realize you could be a goalie? Uh, I mean, my dad really did a great job. Both my parents did a great job. They're both, um, I mentioned to you guys earlier, my, my mom's from Seattle and they're hugely passionate about, about soccer there as well. So that's something they bonded over when they met. And then when they raised me, obviously they were both, that was the only thing I was ever, that was at least the only sport I was ever going to play when I was younger. And my dad did a great job really of kind of, um, he almost kept me in a, in a kind of like a bubble where, I didn't know it, but he was kind of, he was noticing maybe small weaknesses in my game. And then we would do things to kind of fix those. And he would always tell me um, you know, how much he believed in me and how good I was and all this kind of stuff, which is not necessarily always the best thing to tell your child all the time, but he gave me belief. And really, you don't think when you're younger, oh, I'm going to be professional. You just think about whatever the next game or like that season. And then it kind of just, it's like, um, it's like a staircase, you know, you go each step at a time. So, uh, I mean, it's literally all I thought about since I was probably six or seven years old, all I played, I, I was kicking like a, a plastic bottle around at school in between classes, or I was, we were playing at lunch, lunch break after school, then after school I'd get home. And if, if the sun was still up, which is quite rare in England for it to be still up at around four o'clock in the afternoon. I would still go out in the garden and just play, just play, play, play until I physically couldn't anymore. And I just loved it. I, I still now I'm obsessed. So, I mean, the goalkeeper thing, I, I, um, I kind of, maybe when I was 11, I think maybe my dad kind of saw that I maybe had the more of a build to be uh, a goalkeeper. I was kind of lean and long, but at the same time, reasonably quick and reasonably agile and I played a few games for my um, Sunday league team uh, I don't know yeah I don't know if that translates perfectly into um, what you guys call it here but we you know like just your local team kind of thing as a kid and I was yeah I was I must have played well in the three or four games and then I went up for a trial at Watford and it will happen quite quickly from there really so that was how it came about 
Oh man, I I love I love the backstory, man. I'm just I'm thinking about like I think that's every child, you know, every childhood for all of our soccer all of the soccer fans, you know, I, I remember back in like school, I used to like kick a basketball because there were no soccer balls, you know, it's, wow, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have done the same thing for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Everybody's looking at me like, what are you doing? That's a basketball. You know, you shoot it. But, you know? <laughs> Tennis, ball, no. basketball, anything. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Right. But I'm curious, you know, in soccer, you know, you have multiple players play either defense, midfield attack, but, there's only there can only be one goalkeeper. So, you know, how is your experience? Can you describe to us your experience, you know, establishing yourself as a first choice goalie? Yeah, I mean, that is just naturally the most difficult thing about goalkeeping. Um, even when you're younger and you're playing in the under 15s, under 16s, under 17s, there's always at least two of you. So you're not always guaranteed to play every game. So you just grow up with that kind of competition. And every day in training, there might be two or three of you and you know you're quite literally directly competing with these guys. And it is an uncomfortable thing, especially to be a young, a young kid and to have to deal with that kind of that psychology. I'm sure it is the same in with the outfield guys, but probably just not as direct. You know, you're competing with four or five guys, three of you could probably still play and you get rotated, you can get subbed in and out. So it is difficult. You get less opportunities. It's a little bit more about luck and timing. It's about earning trust of managers. Uh, it's very difficult when you're younger to earn the trust of some coaches. You sometimes have to wait for injuries or a suspension or just for a manager to like you. It's just so much more out of your control. I mean, even if you talk about on the pitch, on the pitch, you can go out as a goalkeeper and want to have a great game. I want to be 10 out of 10 today. But if you don't, if, if your team stops every shot, and all, and like the only thing that happens is the team get the other the opposition get behind, pass it across the face of goal, and someone taps it in. What can you do about that? You, you, your team loses one nil, and you, you're like, oh. So you, it's quite it's a it's a reactive position, you know. You can try and be as proactive as you like, but that can sometimes be dangerous. So it, it is a it's a position that I love it. I love. Um, I love goalkeeping, obviously. So it's something that you learn to deal with. But um, yeah, it is completely, it's kind of a different sport in many ways to, the, uh, to what the other guys are playing. Thanks for that, Jonathan. I had a quick question for you, and I'm going to just give you a quick quote. There's a player for Inter Miami, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, former Real Madrid player and uh, yeah. played in Serie A. You know, he came into the MLS and he realized how tough the league is and you know just a quick quote from him saying that you know I thought I would come here and play with a cigarette in my mouth and instead it's difficult it's a tough league I learned that it's similar to Italian football in Spain and England it's easier to do well while in Italy if you don't know the league you suffer so I just wanted to ask you in regards to that I mean of course you've seen that it's a tough league but um similar to when we started the show just kind of asking you what have you seen from the style of play in the MLS? And I guess, would you agree with Gonzalo Wayne? Because I feel like every game is a grind for three points and every game is not a guarantee that a team can beat a team, you know? I agree. Um, <clears throat> I agree with, with what you say and what, with, uh, with what Gonzalo said. I think I, a perfect example is last Saturday. You know, we played away at Vancouver. We started the game on fire. We scored within five minutes. We were coasting. We had an, we scored another goal, but it was disallowed. We hit the bar. It just seemed like we were going to score a second. We let the, the foot off the gas a little bit, probably about half an hour into the game. Couldn't get control of the game. Came out from half time. Second half, 
once you let the foot off the gas like that, you can't just put it back down. It's not like a switch. You can just turn it on and off. By that time, we had, we were already kind of, the game had shifted, you know, the game momentum had shifted and, and they ended up winning the game. And that just goes to show if you drop your levels by 10, 15, 20%, bang, you get punished. And we dropped three points, um, which, you know, we want to, we're aiming high this season. That could, could be a costly three points, you know, it was obviously it's a long season to go, but it was, it was disappointing, but yeah, that's just one example of, of how you can get hurt by any team if you're not on your day. And luckily, you know, from a personal perspective, I have guys who are very experienced in this league, Greg Vanny, Kevin Hartman, Dan Kalashan. These guys have played hundreds of games, hundreds and hundreds of games in the MLS. So if ever I have any questions or things that I don't know about the opposition or if I just go to these guys and they inform me. So um, I've been very lucky to have that to, to that kind of information, that insight to fall back on. So yeah, it's, it's, that's why it's a great league and that's why we all enjoy watching it. And yeah, by the way, what you mentioned, Jonathan, we, like we told you, we had Julian Araujo on, on the show and Sebastian Legette. And, you know, they talk great things about Greg Vanny, how he's changing the culture. You know, uh, he's just about a winning mentality. Obviously, he came from Toronto, but he's reinventing himself in LA Galaxy. So I'm really glad you mentioned him. So, um, no, thank you for that. Yeah, Greg, he's is he two times winner, I think. And he's been to a final as well. Um, I need to double check the stats on that. But I know, I mean, he's had huge success in this league at Toronto. And, and not only that, he's an LA Galaxy guy. So he's like perfect for LA Galaxy head coach. And yeah, I think all the players, when we speak between the, between ourselves, you know, that's where you really know what the players think. And all our conversations about the manager are always positive. We're always impressed by how he wants to play. We love playing that kind of way. All footballers do really. So yeah, um, we've, we've got the perfect coach for, uh, for where we're at, at the moment. And then moving a little bit into how you sort of became a professional, I did a little bit of research, some background info on you. I know you grew up in Hemel Hempstead. You went to Berkhamstead yep. for school. Uh, I know you got scouted <laughs> there at a really big, uh, a really big school tournament game by the guys at Watford. Can you tell us a little bit about, because nowadays I feel like it's changing a little bit where people going into the professional career maybe don't always go through scouting via their school teams and they almost always get picked up at really young ages. Was there something, sort of a difference between when you were getting scouted or was that an option for you when you just chose to go the path of going to school and getting scouted from your school team? I mean, truthfully, you just take whatever comes to you. You know, you don't pick and choose how it happens. You just go along with however, what lays in front of you and you just try and play your best in whatever game you're playing in. But I think um, when I was playing for my local team and then, I got the opportunity to go on trial. I don't. I didn't go for the trial immediately. I think my dad wanted me to. There's kind of like a there was a, a level below the actual academy where he said, okay, look, why don't you go in there for a few weeks and train and see what level you're at? Because I mean, he he never was in professional football, so he didn't really know what we're going into. And I was there for like a week, and I think the goalkeeper coach said, no, just just go just go trial. And then when someone says that, you're like, oh, wow, OK, maybe I do actually have a chance. And then it will happen pretty quickly you know, after the trial after that. But I think everyone's had their own journeys. You know, um, we've had Josh Drack and um, he, I mean, he's come from uh, he got drafted from college. Uh, Preston Judd as well up front um, got drafted. There are two draft picks this season. 
I mean, I'm fascinated really by that route to, to be 21 and be in college. Like you're going to college and then you're ripped out of college. And like one month later, you're training with Chicharito, like a, a legend <laughs> who's played for Real Madrid, Man United. I, I was getting excited just for him, for them. Um, so I mean I love that I mean, everyone everyone has their own roots and their own paths to, to doing it but um, yeah not ne- one is not necessarily better than another and then we saw also that you were capped a couple of times for the Wales youth system before moving into the England one I noticed also you scored a goal in a U17 <laughs> yeah. against Bosnia-Herzegovina that's I mean that's got to be an impressive feeling right like you know, I feel like every time I see it in the news, it's hard to believe. What was it like scoring that goal, like at the, especially at a at an at an international level when you were so young? Ah, uh, yeah, that was that was amazing. That's something I always remember. Everyone here has seen the goal. I make sure everyone's seen. It. I get my phone out. Like, Do you know I, I, I scored? They were like, no. I was like, oh, okay, hold on one sec. Let me get it for my some my favorites. So <laughs> just show show people. But it was when I was, I think I was seventeen, and. It was like, a, you know, the Euros that they played, obviously, recently. That was, it was like the under-17s or under-19s, can't remember, version of, of that. And we needed to score to go through against Russia. And so I went up for a corner and the ball dropped to me and and I scored. Um, and that feeling really was amazing. That was right up there. Even though it was youth, youth football, I I'll always remember going for dinner with my family after and I just couldn't believe it. As, like, as it was making its way through, like the websites and stuff i was so excited we got to find a clip of that and we got to put it put that on instagram i'll send it I'll that's send very it that's you. very allison like from uh, liverpool that's all i wanted to yeah. say <laughs> his header was good actually i mean my footage that i've got is not great it's very grainy but i'll send it to you anyway and sorry i didn't mean to cut Ronnie off there um i just wanted to ask a bit of a follow-up to that transitioning from the wales youth system to the england youth system how did you come to make that decision uh, and, and sort of, was there a natural progression for that? Was there a coach maybe who sort of pushed that for you or did it just sort of open up as an opportunity and you, you went and took it? Well, I kind of have a little bit of frustration as much as I respect, um, Wales giving me a chance, um, you know, when I was younger and gave me those experiences, the way it happened was when we were like 15, I think we were 15, our coach at Watford just said, write down all the countries you're eligible to play for. And I could, and I wrote down, obviously, England, USA, Wales, Spain. They're my four countries that I can play for. And then before you know it, without any kind of discussion or like no one sat down to me and explained, okay, maybe I should say, then after that, a month or two later, Wales called me up to go play for their under-16s. And when you're 15, 16, you don't really know like what you're doing or anything like that. you're not making big decisions about what's going to happen you're just trying to make it as a professional footballer you've not even made it you know, 15 16 so i turned up and then you know once you play your first game that's it you're in the wales confederation or like so then i was i was playing for wales and i was thoroughly enjoying it and then gareth southgate was the under 21 manager and he said you know we would we would pick you if you if you change but like I was changing I hadn't made a first team debut or anything like that at Wales so I didn't think it was that big of a of an issue and uh I, ch- I changed I, I went to to 
to play for England. I, I just kind of felt a little bit unfair that it was made out to be such a big deal for me to change when no one had really explained to me the rules and all that when I was 15 and I started playing just found it exciting to play so for me to be kind of like tied or like confederation nationality tied seems a little bit unfair but uh, I changed and uh, again I had a great experience um, with the under 21s really to, to train at that level with some of them basically the whole England squad now you know eight, nine of those guys I was um, playing with at the time, even guys who have gone on to change as well to like Nigeria and stuff. The level was really incredible, really incredible. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's why I'm using this picture. <laughs> Linger is somewhere in there. <laughs> well, we won that game. We beat Germany, I think. That Germany, one. that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking about England, you know, I wanted to ask you something about Gareth Southgate because to me, at least personally, I think he's one of the best coaches in the world. He's shown it with England. One of the things that I loved about him is that he likes to create an environment in where players are able to speak their mind and actually bring ideas and how to prepare for games. I wanted to ask you a little bit about on that experience. Did you experience something similar? And how did he help you in your development as a, as a keeper? Uh, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you guys about South, Gareth Southgate. I have so many good things to say about him. I mean, I could sit here for a long time. But um, I came in and he was straight away, he was, my, he was my coach. So I didn't see, because I was with Wales, I didn't see what, what the culture was like before. But speaking to everyone, he completely shifted it to the point where everyone was looking forward to coming away on these trips um, rather than dreading it and just wanting to play for their, for their clubs. I mean, he's a highly intelligent person, which, so, you know, someone of his intelligence knows where his weaknesses lie and where his strengths lie. And he knew how to create a culture. He knew how to treat us like adults. And we kind of treat like um, responded in the right way back. And he wanted to change the style of play. And uh, in, in one of the things that he helped himself to do that with was bringing in one of the top coaches, a guy called Steve Holland from, he was the assistant manager at Chelsea, you know? So if you have the assistant manager at Chelsea being your assistant for England under 21s, I mean, <clears throat> that is some high-level coaching you're getting there. Not even the assistant for England, you know, the assistant for England under 21. So we were high, we were, we were coached brilliantly. It wasn't like Gareth just let Steve do everything, by the way. He was very much a, a coach in his own right and had the final say on everything. But um, he knew how to man-manage everyone. He knew which players to... He didn't always pick the best players, if that meant to the detriment of the group, you know. Anyone who's putting themselves before the group would basically not get picked anymore and he made sure that the group was first and I think he's carried on doing that in the in the first teams and he's reached a, a World Cup semi-final a Nations League semi-final and a Euro final <clears throat> and that is pretty hard to do with you know we like to call ourselves a big soccer country but really we've only been to one final in 1966 before Gareth took over so he's yeah he's he's brought on the national team leaps and bounds and um yeah, I mean, I, I think when, when he was first um, appointed as manager, I had seen what how he works and I knew he would be successful. But the problem was the country didn't know and didn't care. They just remembered him in 2009 being manager at Middlesbrough, which didn't go so well. So I kind of, I, I was sat here thinking, oh, I hope he gets the chance. And he won over all of those fans. He's great in the, in the media as well. 
the way he speaks and the way he articulates everything is is brilliant. And that helps a lot because the press can be difficult sometimes in England. So yeah, I've got enough good good things to say. And, and let me ask you something: Why would people or would be opposed uh, with getting uh, Southgate at that moment? Well, I mean, he was just he was the young England under 21s. Not many people really care about what the England under 21s are doing. You know, just in a general as as a general nation, people care about you know the England first team when they play. And then after that, they just care about their clubs. So mm-hmm. the problem was he didn't he didn't have a great time at Middlesbrough when he was the club manager. So everyone had that in their minds. And once people's perceptions are set, this isn't just for managers; this is for for co- uh, for players as well. It's very difficult to change that narrative kind of thing. And with someone with very little experience, basically one manager's job at Middlesbrough and a year or two or two years at England under 21s, people immediately go, well, he can't be England manager, you know, <laughs> but like I'm sat here thinking, well, he can, because I've seen like how he works and stuff. And he got the, luckily he got, he got his chance and and he's taken it. So yeah, very happy for him. That's amazing. Uh, now fast forwarding to 2021, uh, you six months, seven months in, uh, we wanted to ask you, Uh, in the transition from England to LA, who has been your support system? Who are some people that you've uh, relied on on helping you settle in in, in LA? Um, so I think when I moved here, I initially found it a little bit difficult. We hadn't even started um, pre-season. You know, I just had to do the quarantine thing on my own in a hotel. Didn't really know anyone here. Hadn't really met any of the boys. And then we started pre-season training, but we weren't in a locker room yet um we were in we were just turning up to the pitch training for an hour and then going home so it wasn't even like I was really socializing with everyone yet so like that was a little bit difficult for the first um, <clears throat> for the first couple of weeks but then I think two or three weeks after moving here Derek Williams signed and um we had met each other couple we've been on holiday a couple of times just through mutual friends we played against each other a few times and he was in the same boat you know he has he has a a girlfriend or a fiance and and the kid but they were they were initially back in england so we just had each other and we kind of explored la every day after training and found you know where where would we want to live and check out this place check out that place we you know we we had like that list of things that you, you want to go to Venice and watch the skateboarders as the sunsets. We did all of those things. So he really initially, you know, in the beginning was, uh, uh, made it very, a lot easier for me to, to kind of settle in. And then once you are going into the locker room every day and then you meet all the other boys, then you start to, you know, form close friendships, you know, Sebastian, Legette, Julian Araujo, Sasha Kleston. I mean, these are guys who I'm, I'm very close to um, now. And and then obviously, the more you live here, the more people you meet, even outside of football. So, yeah, I'd say that that's a good overview of my support network. That's awesome. And then we also heard that you're a foodie guy. So, uh, I know. Isn't everyone? Ch- <laughs> that's true. But I am, yeah. I am. That's I am. very true. Uh, we, we, you know, probably some differences. Uh, you know, food from England and and here, you know, nothing but burgers and I don't know what else you've tried, but hopefully in and out. It's been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the food. I mean, LA has got all kinds of like they've got the traditional LA uh, or American food, and you've got things from like 
there's cuisines from all over the world in LA, so you got whatever you want, wherever you feel like you, you've got it there. Oh, you, the street you, tacos. There you go. The street yeah, tacos. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, Jonathan. Um, one thing from that I wanted to ask you, like I mentioned in the intro, you're our first ever goalie on our show. We've had a few other players, a few other coaches, but you're our first ever goalie. So, you know, to the soccer fans that are listening and, you know, may aspire to play your position one day or even that play in the park or at the college level, whatever level they are. Is there any goalkeeping 101 in regards to how you kind of uh, study an opponent when when you take when they take penalties, what direction to go? I mean, we're not asking you for your secrets, but, you know, are there any strategies behind, you know, reading an opponent, an opponent's movements or in, in that in those kind of scenarios? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about penalties, then obviously it's always difficult. But I think if you just believe you're going to save it, that's that'll be a good start. Um, and then, you know, if you're playing at a professional level where you have the video of all their last penalties and stuff, that obviously that helps. But I mean, sometimes that can actually work the complete opposite way. There's been a couple of times this season where a guy is shot the same way for like seven the last seven times or whatever. But then the last one he miss, he misses. And you're like, is he going to go that way again? Or is he going to like, is he going to change? And, you're, and then you're annoyed <laughs> that he missed the last one because you just wanted to keep scoring in that in that same corner. And then you just think, oh, right, really go down the middle. And then it's you start second guessing yourself. But I mean, if you're just talking about, you know, young, goal, young, goal, young goalkeepers in general, uh, one of the things I always say is to make sure you watch as much soccer as possible you know you're watching the top goalies whether that be in the MLS or over in Europe and that I mean that's sounds strange but that, that's kind of what I did from the age of even when I was playing in the Watford Academy so like one of the high like as high as you can play when you're like 11 12 13 14 I was just imitating I was kind of imitating Petr Cech or Carlo Cudicini and I don't know whether sometimes that's wrong or right when I look back, but it kind of, it kind of worked. You know, I, I watched them so intently, their movements, what they would do, their habits, like their positions, um, how hard they would come out of the goal, how fast they close it down, what shape are they when they're closing things down. And um, yeah, it kind of, it, it carried me. And then as you get older, you kind of, you think, okay, no, 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 I can't just copy everything these guys are doing. Some of the stuff these guys are doing is are is actually wrong you know like no one is perfect and everyone's making um mistakes so then you kind of do your own thing but um yeah i mean if you're not enjoying what you're doing then that's also never a great start uh, make sure you enjoy it first that's what you tell the young guys for sure oh man jonathan i i really like how you brought up that no one is perfect because that i think that's that's important to note uh, like for any player i'm assuming playing goalie is like a like a mixed bag of emotions, you know, looking back at some, you know, games, you, you, you think of Tim Howard in the World Cup when he had those amazing saves against Belgium. Then you have, you know, awful games, like, for example, Carriers for Liverpool against uh, Real Madrid. I'm, I'm curious, what's your mentality like after, you know, you have these amazing games and you have that occasional off game where you just painted the villain or you painted the hero, you know? Yeah, I think that's some that's probably a part of my game that I could improve. I think I get too too critical maybe sometimes or too down if a game doesn't go like perfectly. You know, everyone when you speak to goalkeeping coaches around the world, everyone says, you know, you you shouldn't be too high with the high 
too high with the highs, too low with the lows. Um, you should kind of stay in that mid um, emotional, the, the middle of the emotional spectrum kind of thing. And yeah, it, it is a, a highly psychological position. You know, it's like, for example, golf is such a psychological sport and goalkeeping to some extent is, and you just have to have that, that firm mindset that if something goes wrong, you just have to forget it and you just have to keep going, whether that be in the game or there's been a couple of bad games in the season, you just, you just keep going. You put your, your chest out, you keep your head high and you, you keep staying high and, um, and being confident in yourself. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the most difficult parts of, of the position uh, for sure. Oh, that's, that's real great to hear. You know, I've been, I've been watching soccer for a long, long time since I was like so young. And, you know, yeah. the position over the years has been evolving. You know, we're looking at, you know, sweeper keepers like Manuel Neuer. We have, you know, Ederson who, you know, people think is crazy when he's running up the field, you know, basically playing midfielder at times. You know, what are some key attributes, you know, some goalies should either begin to develop or work on? And, you know, what do you think distinguishes you as a goalie? Um, well, first of all, I think it, you, you kind of you look at yourself, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? If your strength is to if you're six foot six, then, you know, you want to play dominant. You want to stay high. You want to come for crosses. You maybe want to stay a little bit deeper um, position when people are shooting from the edge of the box, for example, because you've got that reach. You know, you've got that length. If you're a smaller goalkeeper and rely more on speed and agility, then you want to come down the line more and close shots down, you know, try and make it more of a reactionary thing. And you kind of go off <clears throat> with what you're given in, in terms of uh, in general, you know, goalkeeping has moved on a lot. You have to, you have to be comfortable with the ball at your feet. I know everyone's heard that, um, but it's true, especially, you know, in our, in our team, um, we play from the back a lot. So that's something I have to make sure that I'm good at. Um, for me, for me personally, I like to be on the front foot. I like to play out from the back. These are things, luckily, I actually enjoy. And usually you enjoy them because that's one of your strengths, usually. But uh, yeah, it's it's lucky for me that I'm in a team that suits the kind of goalkeeper that I am, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, high starting position, sweeping in, um, sweeping from behind and then playing from the back with, with, with my feet. I'd like maybe to have a little less to do than what I'm doing and we to be a little bit more solid at times. But um, yeah, that's another thing is when you're playing behind a team where they don't concede many shots at all, then that can be difficult sometimes, you know, when you've just got one shot in the game and you have to save it. That's that, that's a completely different uh, feel as well. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a position where I, one thing I've noticed about coming here is everything's very stat related. I'm seeing lots of stats flying around, you know, especially when it comes to goalkeepers and I guess strikers maybe as well. And I'm just very wary of, of sticking stats on goalies. I think like some of the, most of the stats I've seen have been positive for me so far, but like I take very little notice of, of those things. You know, what if you talk about a save percentage, for example, what happens if one guy, say I have, 50 shots all from 30 yards and I'm just packing them down and I save everyone. But then another guy has like five shots that he has no chance with. You know, the guy's just tapping them in. Our save percentage is going to be like, and I don't know whether over the course of the season that levels itself out or what, I don't know. But, I, you know, if, if there are other goalkeepers that are worried about that out there, I wouldn't, I would not 
worry too much about that kind of thing just focus on you know your game and usually the eye test is uh is what you should go by the heat map and shots in the box will be really red by that <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> um jonathan one thing that i wanted to ask you is well, apart of, i know you spoke about greg banny and yep. how you enjoy his tactical insight uh, but before that i wanted to ask you a little bit about the training because not too long ago we saw victor uh vasquez post a picture uh with chicharito and they were playing catching the ball with the cones and the other day yesterday actually they were playing cricket So yeah. I just want to know how fun is the training uh, in the LA Galaxy team and what's been your favorite one so far? Uh, I, to be fair, I have to give credit to, um, to Tom, who's the um, sports science, kind of head of sports science and fitness, because on the day after a game, when it's a recovery session, that's when he comes out with like, we play baseball, cricket, We play all kinds of like like the cone game that you're talking about, weird cone games, or we sometimes we just go for a cycle, like a bike ride. Um, so he he he's very good at kind of he, whether you win or lose, you're always in a good mood, you know, the day after a game and the and the energy is positive and you quickly I, I, to be fair, every time we've lost a game this season, I'm gonna jinx it now because we lost our last game, but like every time we've lost a game this season, we've bounced back and won the next one, you know. And that must say something. Um We're yet to draw a game, but um, it must say something in that, you know, we're staying positive, we're reacting well. And I like to think that, you know, that culture and that atmosphere in, in training is something to do with it. I mean, if you're talking about training in general, Greg, so his attention to detail is so high. You know, the tactical side of it is so important to him. He wants all 11 players to be thinking on the pitch all the time. He wants 11 coaches on the pitch, you know, and we should all be realizing he's there that means i know i'm i'm here okay he's there i should be here and it should be a constant i know you know if, if they're pressing us with two then we're going into a, a three or i know that julian's free out on the right and all this kind of stuff it's very don't get me wrong it's very difficult but it's all making us better players and i think once we develop and master that that way of playing that way of thinking you know we'll be a, a, a very very strong team That's wonderful. I, I always wonder how uh, the message is being, uh, the feedback is given to the players because we had Tab Ramos uh, talk, talk to us about uh, counterattacking. And then he was talking about how it was hard for the young players to understand that you'll be running less if you do the right way of counterattacking. So I, I guess if you, if you can tell us a little bit more about how his approach is on giving feedback Uh, especially when it comes to learning the 11, being 11 coaches on the field. Yeah, I, I, that's a good example. What you say, I mean, even if you're talking about stopping counterattacks, if, you, if you're not in the right spaces, in the right <clears throat> organization behind the ball, when you have the ball and you're preparing for losing the ball almost, then if you don't make that five, 10 yard sprint to go close someone down or to make a tackle, They get out of the pressure and then they're counterattacking you. And then it's, it becomes an 85 yard sprint. Not for me, obviously. I'm just, I'm, I'm up the other end. But these guys are playing in like Salt Lake, for example. It's, it's 90, 100 degrees and you're having to sprint back. And so, yeah, um, that, those, those 
details are so important and there's so many aspects to the game it's very difficult to get a perfect game you know you have to stop counter-attacks you have to make sure you counter-attack well you may have to make sure that you build out from the back that you're ruthless in front of goal when you get up there you have to defend when you need to suffer and defend I mean that's why football, uh, soccer is an amazing game it's 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 so active it flows the momentum changes you know there's so many so many things going on within the game and like you say, especially in the MLS, anyone can beat anyone. So it is, that's uh, it, it, why we love it. It's so entertaining. Yeah, I know you mentioned a little bit earlier the thing about stats. I don't know if you've been able to catch a baseball game in LA yet, but uh, when you do, that is the most stat obsessed sport in the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> have have yeah. you been able to catch a game yet? Uh, uh, I, I have, but back in 2016 was okay. when I caught. I, if, if you if you if you get to go to another one nil, nil. yeah zero, the, zero. The, the jumbotron will have you know like four or five different like calculated averages that don't make yeah. any sense by the way um, <laughs> no does, uh, does it not apply a lot better to baseball because it, well, it, it, it does more of a, it yeah, does but measurable there there are some there are some strange statistics that they use in baseball like any okay. anything that can be turned into an average in baseball is turned into an average so like <laughs> they for, like they would take the it, to to draw like a correct analogy they take like the the amount of steps it takes you to get into like a, a save ready position they would turn that into a stat no yeah probably um oh wow okay <laughs> it, it, it it you know it's 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 sort of funny like that um yeah yeah so I, I guess I wanted to, to stick a little bit with the training theme, talk about, you know, there's obviously a lot of talented guys on your team. And as a keeper, when you're in training, you know, you've got to stop shots. And so, you know, I imagine at least for myself, I would have a terrible time being the galaxy keeper, especially in training, because you've got a lot of guys with a real shot on them. So yeah. who, who's the guy who every time he's, he's up against you taking practice shots in training, you're always scoring. Like, I'm gonna have like a tough day. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would love to give you like an answer that you weren't expecting, but the truth is, it is Chicharito. I mean, his finishing is out of this world. Like his his first time finishing is so good. Sometimes it even it seems like he's not got his body in a good position, and then bang! Like he, he always seems to get like a clean like connection on the ball when it. And it doesn't really matter what part of his foot it comes off. It's weird, honestly. Like, it's and then it'll just go in, and you think, "How's it?" Like, you won't say anything. You'll kind of be like, "All right, like next one." And you, but you're thinking about how's he done that? Like, how's he got his foot at that angle and got the ball <laughs> to go over there? Yeah. So I mean, both feet. He's he's a he's a great finisher. I mean, there we have. Don't get me wrong. We have other great finishers in the team. Um, Victor is another great finisher. Victor Vasquez, sorry. Um, but I mean, Chicho is, he's, yeah, he's ruthless. He scored, I think, 10 goals already this season. That sounds like yeah. me on Sunday, Sunday pickup, you know. you know, It does. Me, yeah, I can imagine I got, that, yeah. I got a deadly yeah. right foot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I wanted to end my segment of, of questions with something about, I know you talked about exploring LA uh, in, in the early months of the pandemic. Recently, we saw Weston McKinney playing some pickup down on Venice. I don't know if, if that's something that you guys have, have been able to do. Generally, what's your favorite thing you've been able to do that, you know, maybe isn't related to your job in L.A.? Or if it is related to your job, you know, what's the thing in L.A. that's really been fun to you? 
Um, it's difficult to say one thing. I mean, if I have to say it's one thing, then it would just be the freedom of being able to do anything. Like I can go to the beach one day if I want to go to the beach. I mean, I've been to Six Flags up there. I love theme parks and stuff. You can go to Universal Studios. You can go out for dinner anywhere. You can go down to, or you can go up to, to Malibu is amazing. Um, I know we're not allowed to, I haven't been yet, but you can go to the mountains and ski. I mean, you can go to the mountains and ski and then be on the, you can go to the beach and then go on the mountains to ski, like in the same day. It's crazy. So for me, I just like, I, I love going for dinner with people that I, that I love. So there's no shortage of, of restaurants and places to go out and eat. And um, just that feeling of even sitting outside in the warm weather is just something that we, I only usually get for maybe 10 days a year, really, when we, when I go on vacation or at the end of the season. So like just that, that hasn't got old to me yet of being able to sit outside and just have a nice meal or whatever it is. It's, that is a small pleasure. Wait till they send you to to where we are in the summer in New York City. It's it's like walking through a dog's mouth. It's real <laughs> real fun to sit outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna enjoy the, the the delicacies of New York City, get get takeout because <laughs> yeah. If you're here during the season, you're not gonna want to stick around outside. <laughs> it's true. I'm disappointed. Obviously, it's a, an anomaly season because of COVID. But you know, normally we would be able to go to to New York and, and do that and visit and, and we did go to Miami this uh, first game of the season but it's a shame we don't get to go visit you know the, the eastern the eastern teams but yeah I'll make sure I'll make sure I'll do I'll take the takeaway well, to New York when when you when you're here in New York we'll be we'll be happy to to host you and and send you a slice of pizza in a UPS <laughs> envelope so you don't have to walk outside <laughs> perfect <laughs> And hey, Jonathan, we're, we're pretty much almost wrapping up. I had two last questions for you. The first one being El Trafico, uh, you know, against LAFC. I know you guys played them back in May. You guys took that game two to one, but you play, you guys play them again next month in August. So I just wanted to ask you again, you know, as a, as a new player in the MLS, as a new player with the LA Galaxy, what was your experience in your first ever El Trafico and what the mentality going into the next one? Yeah, I loved it. Um, it's kind of the first the first game you look for when the fixtures uh, when the schedule comes out so uh, we we played at home it was only 25% capacity at the time but it was so loud I mean I couldn't communicate very well with the players in front of me and you always know when that happens it's loud basically that's kind of like how you know okay this is a good atmosphere because Nick didn't hear a word I just said there and it was only 25% capacity so like when it was when it's full I would imagine that'd be incredible and we play them soon uh, at their place. So I imagine it will be um, very loud in there as well and packed stadium. And they're the games that you want to play in. They're the games that you come to the MLS for, you know. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to it, for sure. Oh, for sure. No, we can't wait. You know, we're, we're definitely tuned in on MLS. And that's one game we got circled on the calendar on, on, on our end. So we'll be rooting you on. Nice. Uh, and no, we're, we're excited for that one. And Jonathan, our last question before we let you go. Obviously, you know, MLS All-Star Game is coming up and your name has been has been circulating a lot for All-Star votes. I wanted to ask you, you know, how much would that mean to you to be get to get selected for that for a game like you know like that with the best of the best in MLS versus the best of the best in a uh, Liga MX against the Mexican League? Yeah, I, I would be so happy. 
to be honest, if I was if I if I made that team, um, I don't know if I should say, oh no, yeah, I don't mind or whatever. But like I do, I do really want to make the make the squad. Um, there are going to be so many talented guys on that MLS team that I would love to even just train with a couple of times and, and see and feel the level and. Um, and it'll be a big, a big event, a big spectacle. I don't, I don't think there'll be any player that wouldn't want to play in that game. And then obviously the opposition are going to be amazing as well. So I would be so happy if I made, if I made the squad. But obviously, if it's if it's not to be, it's not to be. And hopefully, I've got a, a longer future in in MLS ahead of me. And um, let's see. But yeah, it would be uh, to answer your question, it would be an honour for sure. Uh, no, we're voting. Yeah, we're, we're definitely voting. voting for you, Jonathan. <laughs> obviously, Thank you. Uh, obviously, we want to do this interview to get to know you better, for the fans to hear your story. I mean, it sounds like you've had a heck of a career and it's still going. And we're so glad you're in L.A., you know, in our league and MLS. And we get to watch you week in and week out. And, and you're definitely doing your thing, you know, as a starting goalie for L.A. So we're tuning in and, and you know, you, you got our vote for sure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been, a, it's been very fun. Been a pleasure. All right, guys, that was the interview with Jonathan Bond. What a guest, our first ever goalie on the show. That was one for the books. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on with us. Christian, my guy, always got to go to you, man. What do you think of uh, Jonathan Bond? Just uh, an amazing guy overall. I think we have to take a look at his experience. He has such a much insight about the game. And he has actually said it before in other interviews. He wants to go. If he wasn't a player, he would have gone into coaching. So I love the uh, how passionately he talked about Greg Vanny, about Southgate. But most importantly, you know, like he's someone who has the experience and has played with people like John Stones, Jesse Lingard, Luke Shaw. So having him here in MLS is definitely an honor. So thank you so much for that, Jonathan. Uh, I hope the soccer fans really enjoyed it. And fellas, we got to get out of here. Eric, I'll let you start it off, man. Let's get out of here. Oh, man, a huge shout out to Jonathan. Uh, you know, all our fans listening, definitely give him a vote for the upcoming All-Star game because this guy is an amazing, amazing goalkeeper. I cannot wait to watch more LA Galaxy games. 100%. We can't wait for the next Trafico coming up at the end of August as well. That's going to be a big one. And yeah, we'll definitely be tuning in for Jonathan Bond, LA Galaxy games coming up. We already had Julian Araujo, Sebastian Lejet, our third LA Galaxy player. We're super excited. And All right, here we got to get out of here, man. Please do the honors and get us out of here. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Soccer Subs Podcast. The same thing on Twitter, YouTube, and everywhere we post our content. You'll be able to get some great insight into what we're posting and see who we're talking to. Also, a quick shout out to Joanna, who was able to make this interview happen. And not only this interview, but a couple of our others with Paul Ariola, with Julian Araujo, and with Sebastian Legette. She is possibly the greatest person alive. Thank you so much, Joanna, for 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 what you do and, and what you've you know done for both the players and us as a podcast. Uh, but thank you also to our listeners for tuning in for another episode that I think I've enjoyed and I think all the guys have also enjoyed. So we hope you have a good one. Thanks for listening. And if you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on all of our social media. Guys, you've noticed I haven't been posting anything, right? No sneak peek. I've been keeping it safe, saving it for the real date. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And of course, to the usual suspect, Ronnie, Eric, Q, it's always a pressure to talk to you guys. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.
All right. And a huge thank you again to Joanna, Jonathan Bond. Thank you so much for being on with us. We'll be back for episode 32. We got some good guests coming up for you guys. I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, we've got some big guests coming up. USL wise as well. A lot of good talent coming up. And yeah, we can't wait to see what we have in store for you guys, for you guys, for the fans. You guys keep us going. Shoot us an email, podcast at Gmail or a DM. Thank you guys for the support. We'll see you guys for episode 32. We are out. Have a good one.